Mr. Grinch. You really are a You're as cuddly as a cat and as charming as an Well, you can't cancel Christmas. It is officially Christmas season. How many of you are glad that it's Christmas season? We love Christmas around here. Listen, 2020's had so many things canceled. <laughs> Work was canceled for a while. Some of you might not have minded that, I don't know. Eating out was canceled. Some of us might have needed that. I don't know. Weddings were canceled. Birthday parties were canceled. Even the State Fair of Texas was canceled. That was tragic for me. I didn't get my turkey leg or my Fletcher's corny dog. All these things were canceled. And if that wasn't enough in this year that we live in where all these things are canceled, we developed this cancel culture, which... I'll just throw in here, I'm pretty convinced God is not a fan of. And, and we just start canceling people. <laughs> if anybody makes a mistake, canceled. And, and we're just gonna take a few weeks to say that you can't cancel Christmas. You can't cancel what Christ did. You can't cancel that that baby came and was born in a manger. You can't cancel the fact that he was God with us, Emmanuel. You can't cancel the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can't cancel the fact that he rose, that he, that he grew up and then he died on a cross and he rose again to change the world. You can't cancel that. So we're declaring you can't cancel Christmas. And each week, we're going through this, uh, an attribute in Advent. You may say, what is Advent? If you're unfamiliar with it, Advent is the 25 days leading up to Christmas. It comes from the Latin word uh, Adventus, which means coming. And that's what it's really all about. It's about how he came 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas, and, and then how he has been coming over and over again for 2,000 years into our hearts and our lives through salvation and then into our situations and our circumstances. And then it's also a remembrance of how he will come again on that second glorious coming that we anticipate, wait for. The past few years, we've celebrated these four weeks, people People do it different ways. There's all kinds of ways you can celebrate Advent. Um, we kind of go with the tradition of the four Sundays before uh, Christmas. We celebrate a theme for that 
for that week. I would encourage you, if you've never looked at Advent or you've never celebrated it, if you're single, you could, you, there's all kinds of Advent devotions you can look at, things that you can begin to uh, meditate on. You can find a friend and do those devotions on. The U version has ways that you can do devotions with friends and share notes. If you're a, uh, if you have a family, if you if you have children, there are all kinds of great children's devotions for Advent. Also, you can not only go with those four weeks of themes, but but there are things that you can begin to teach your kids even through the nativity, and you can set out the different pieces of the nativity every day and then finally leave baby Jesus till the last day on Christmas Day when he symbolizes him coming there. There's all kinds of things you can do, but, but I just want to encourage you to do something because it is a time of reflection. It's a time of introspection, but also it's a time of anticipation, which leads me to today's thing, which we've already talked about, the text that we read which is hope, hope. Let's pray together, then we'll get right into the Word. Father, I thank you that you keep hope alive. I thank you that in a world that seems hopeless, we know the God of hope. I pray, God, that through my words, whether live or later, whether on campus or online, that you would take the words that you give me and speak through me not only what I would say but what you want to say nothing more nothing less and nothing else and father I ask that none of us would leave here the same way that we came in but we would be changed and transformed that we would go away from this moment even if we're sitting in our living room today that we would go away from this moment filled with hope in Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. If you would, go back with me for a moment to that first announcement that he was coming. If we're talking about Advent, we're talking about his coming, and that first coming, 400 years of silence. 400 years from the last time God spoke until he comes into that pasture with those shepherds and suddenly an angel appears and says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. He makes the announcement of his coming. And I believe with all my heart that at that moment, the world seemed hopeless. At that moment, before that announcement was made, that, that people were in despair. Can you imagine 400 years without the voice of God and then all of a sudden God speaks and I believe at that moment hope dawned. I believe hope always dawns when Jesus shows up. Hope's actually a very powerful thing. When, we, when I say the word hope, some of us may think of something weak. We may think of, of like wishing upon a star or wishful thinking, some fairy tale fantasy that doesn't really have much power unless you're some sort of Pollyanna type that lives with your head buried in the sand. But to some people, hope tends to be that which the desire for something to happen in a situation is what they're waiting on, but their circumstances 
and their situations look contrary, so they get, over time, hopeless because hope is not strong enough to carry them through. Maybe you've heard the expression, hope for the best, but prepare or plan for the worst. Actually, that, from a biblical standpoint, that's not only inaccurate, it's actually lethal to, to our faith. It's a lethal thought to, to us as believers. If we're going to talk about hope, what is hope? First of all, we could just look at Webster's. Webster says that, that hope is, is a, a cherished desire with anticipation, trust, and confident expectation. So, so hope, according to Webster's, is a cherished desire with three key elements, anticipation, trust, and confident expectation. I love that. It's not just any desire, it's a cherished desire. It's one that you hold dear. You hold it dear with anticipation. You're, you're eagerly and, and patiently waiting for it. That's like kids waiting on Christmas. They're anticipating it. And then it's with trust. We talked a lot about trust the last four weeks. If you weren't around here, you can go back and watch online. And then thirdly, it's confident expectation. If you think about those three elements, those aren't weak. Those aren't, aren't wishing on a star. That's not sprinkling pixie dust and hoping things work out. No, that is confident. That is bold. That is powerful. So that's Webster's definition. What does the Bible say about, about hope? Well, in the Old Testament, there are a lot of scriptures on hope, but, but one of, and a lot of different Hebrew words for hope. One of them is T-I-Q-V-A-H, tikva. And it literally means a cord or an attachment, something that binds us and stabilizes us and keeps us from drifting. When you, when you think about that, you, you, you immediately can, can see this great picture of hope, and that is this, that hope is a rope. Hope is a rope. You remember the, the scarlet rope that, that, that Rahab tied in the window in the Old Testament in, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 17. She had this promise that her and her family was going to be spared if she, if she hung a, a, a scarlet rope from the window. I don't know about you. It wouldn't, if it was me, it wouldn't have been a little thread. I would have got a big giant rope like this, painted it red, and threw it all the way to the ground. Because I wanted to make sure they saw me. It's interesting that the name of that cord or that rope in Hebrew that's used to describe Rahab's rope is, is this Hebrew word, it's rooted in this Hebrew word for hope. So literally, facing impending doom, Rahab attached hope to the rope that she let down outside her window. I wanna ask you a question today. Are, 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 are you facing un, un, un Thinkable odds? Is everything against you? Is, is, does doom seem to be impending in your life? You can throw hope like a rope outside the window of your heart. And I'll guarantee you, you can be rescued from despair. You can be rescued from fear. You can be rescued from dread. If you're drowning, hope is a rope that God is throwing to you today. Grab it like Rahab you'll be saved. That's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, hope 
has to do with confidence and trust, and it stabilizes us when we, when we want to drift because we can't perceive or see God's actually working. In the New Testament, Paul gives us this kind of crazy, almost Zen-like statement in Romans 8, 24, where he says, for we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. A side note, if you're taking notes, you ought to write that word perseverance down. We're going to come back to it in a moment. It's going to be very important in what we look at hope. But here, Paul says that we're saved in this hope, this hope, a certain hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why do you still hope for what you see, but we hope for what we do not see? So we, we understand here that, that hope is this dichotomy. It's this stabilize. It's, it's unseen. It's almost mystical, but it's actually a stabilizing force in a seen world for things that we can't see, even when we can't see hope. Hebrews says it this way, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So, so in the Old Testament, hope is a rope. In the New Testament, hope is an anchor. It's an anchor. I tell you, there's a lot of drift. There's actually a, a terminology for it. It's called spiritual drift, where, where you're, you're headed in the right direction, but then if you don't keep moving, your boat just kind of drifts out to sea. Spiritual drift. But hope is an anchor that keeps you from drifting away. So in the Old Testament, hope is a rope. In the New Testament, hope is an anchor. So imagine putting them together because that anchor needs something tied to it. And there you have a true stabilizing and steadying force. Hope stabilizes us. Hope steadies us. Hope keeps us from drifting. Has 2020 been causing your life to drift out to sea? Today, God is throwing you an anchor and a rope called hope. In the Greek, one of the words for, for, for hope is, is elpis, E-L-P-I-S, and it translates back into English as passionate patience. Hope actually anchors you so that you can be passionately patient till God comes through. Also, Hebrews 11.1 1 is the definition for faith, but it gives us some insight into the New Testament definition of hope. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So hope, if you will, is the architectural design. Hope is the dream. If you're in it, wherever you're at at home, in your, ha uh, in your home, or, or if you're in a building, I I anywhere, or for those of us that are in this physical building, before this building came into being, there was a design. There was a dream for it. That's hope. But then somebody got some building materials and built according to the dream. So hope is God's dream over our life, and faith is the building materials that we use to build it with. You can see in Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope actually comes first. So you could say it this way. You, some of you heard me say it before. Hope is the parent of faith. 
And when your hope gets deferred, then your faith gets orphaned. You say, what do you mean? Hope is the parent of faith. I like to, like to go a little bit further. It, it has, uh, faith has two parents. I believe that one is hope and the other one is love. And when hope and love come together, they give birth to this wonderful thing called faith in our life. And we begin to live by faith. But what happens when your hope gets deferred, when your hope gets put off, when your hope get, gets, gets delayed, then your faith gets orphaned. If, if, if I, I can promise you this much, if you're hopeless today, I 100% guarantee you, you're also faithless. Because you can't have faith unless it's birthed in the spark and the dream of hope. When, when your faith gets, when, when your hope gets deferred and your faith gets orphaned, this wicked step-parent steps in called despair. Despair is a terrible, wicked, evil step-parent. Some of you need to get despair out of the way, get hope back in your life so that you can give birth to faith again. Some of you are wanting to have faith to move mountains, but you've been living in hopelessness. You need to get your hope back and faith will come. Faith will come. Hope makes your faith more than a formula. It makes it a family. And so I believe that God is restoring some people's hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, I quoted it a minute ago, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's the first part of that verse. It goes on and says, but the, when the desire comes, then it's a tree of life. So, but I just want to focus on this for a second. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you could say it this way, hope sustained keeps your heart healthy. If hope deferred gives you a sick or a weak heart, then hope sustained gives you a healthy heart. So listen, if you've been heart sick, if your heart has been broken, if your heart has, has, been, has just felt sick, you need to change your diet. Anybody that's ever had any heart issues, blood pressure issues, heart, uh, any kind of heart disease, you know that that they care about what you eat. You know, if you have a bad heart, you don't want to eat certain things. It's just going to get worse. Listen, if you want a healthy heart in the spirit, you need to feed it a steady diet of hope. And hope will make it healthy. So, so how, does, how does hope get deferred? We, 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 it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. How does hope get deferred? Well, when your cherished desire never comes, your hope gets put off. That's called hope deferred. But, but let me ask you this question. Is that inevitable? Is there always going to be a world where hope gets deferred? Or is there a hope that can never be deferred? Think about that for a minute. Is there a hope? That could never be deferred. I think the Apostle Paul suggests there is. Look at Romans 4, 18. He says, he, this is a crazy statement. In hope, against hope, Abraham believed. Now the context is he's talking about Abraham being the father of faith. Abraham gets a promise 
from God that he's going to be the father of many nations. And, and he calls God the God who calls things that are not as though they were. And Romans 4 is such a great faith chapter. And then he, he comes to this verse 18. He says, in hope, against hope, Abraham believed. That word believed is the same word as faith a few verses before. So in hope, against hope, Abraham had faith. So that he might become a father of many nations according to that which have been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now, now what an odd statement. In hope against hope. How can you be in hope and against hope simultaneously? I mean, it seems like you're either in hope, you're for hope, or you're against it. Which one is it? Paul says that Abraham was in hope against hope. I think the only logical conclusion is there's more than one type of hope. There's human hope, and there's godly hope. Or you could say it this way, hope in life or hope in people or hope in circumstance or hope in humanity or the hope that humanity can muster up or hope in God. Human hope is optimism. Godly hope is way more than that. Human hope is the idea that something will turn out good by my definition of good. In other words, turn out the way I want it to. <laughs> turn out the way I want it to, when I want it to, how I want it to. So, so human hope is the idea that something will turn out good, but godly hope is the conviction that something will turn out God, who is good. Right? So, so when you have godly hope, when you have hope in God, you're believing that no matter what the circumstance, God is going to turn it for good. John Kerr says this, I love this, hope is the feeling that you have that the feeling that you have is not permanent. Hope is the feeling that you have that the feeling that you have is not permanent. Let, let me say that again. Hope is the feeling that you have that the feelings that you have that are not God <laughs> are not permanent. That's hope. So what I want us to see is this. If our human hopes, because not all human hopes are bad, they can be okay. I can, I mean, when we talk about hope, oh, oh, I hope, I hope the weather's nice. That's not a bad hope. But you better not, that not that better not be your greatest hope. Come on. I, I hope that I, 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 I hope I get a raise. Well, you know what? That's not a bad hope. But if the raise doesn't come at the time you thought, God will still supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So, so we, get, we get these human hopes, but we've got, watch this, watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our human hopes have to become subservient to our hope in God. If not, if, if our human hopes don't serve our hope in God, then they become adversaries rather than servants. Because our hope is no longer in God, our hope is in our hope. Our hope is in our situation. So Paul says Abraham goes on this journey and he hopes against hope. So, so before, in hope against hope, Abraham believed. In hope against hope, Abraham had faith. So before Abraham had faith, he had to hope against hope. What did that look like? What were some of the hopes that Abraham had? Well, God gave him a promise he's going to be 
the father of many nations. But also before that, he gave him a promise. He said, I want you to go to a land that you know not of. I'll show you what it is. But don't take your family. And Abraham hoped in his family. So he took Haran, his brother, and that didn't work out so well. He took Lot, and we had an intergenerational catastrophe. <laughs> Pillars of salt and all kinds of crazy things. He, he then decides that, that, that he's going to trust his own. He hoped in his own understanding and told Abimelech the king that, that Sarah was not his wife but his sister. And that didn't work out so good. Then he, then he hoped for an heir and it wasn't working the way he thought. So he put his hope in Hagar. Bad idea. And, and, and we get Ishmael. Then finally he gets Isaac. And he puts his hope in Isaac, and even Isaac had to be laid on the altar. Why? Because the promise wasn't about Isaac. The promise was about Jesus, who would come through the lineage of Isaac. And so all along, God was leading Abraham on this journey to quit trusting and hoping in all these human hopes and put your hope in me. Can you see that? Are, are you with me? So all of his life, you could say it this way, God was pruning Abraham's human hopes until he finally put his hope against hope in God. Hope in God against human hope made Abraham believe. So here's what we learn from Abraham's journey. There are hopes that we need to hope against. What have you been hoping in? Maybe you hoped that 2020 would be the best year of your life. And that didn't turn out the way you thought. But do you know it still could be if your hope for that to happen was in God, not in 2020? You gotta learn how to hope against certain hopes. Why do we need to do that? Because human hope or any false hope quickly becomes a substitute for hope in God. And, and when they do, when it does, then it becomes false ground in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So then we begin to get people to trust and hope in the wrong things. My hope is in a political system. I'm gonna cause others to put their hope in a political system that will get deferred. But if my hope is in God, it never gets deferred. See, that's why Abraham finally, when you get to Romans chapter four, and I, I don't have time to read it today, but if you keep reading it, it goes on and it says that he believed God and he considered not his body, though as good as dead. He considered not Sarah's barren womb and how they were old as the ancient of days and had no kids, but he believed God and he had this hope in God that gave birth to faith and that faith produced the promise of Isaac. Listen, it, there comes a time in your life where you realize, I've been placing my hope in the wrong things and I've got to put my hope in God and I've got to consciously reject or put my hope against those other hopes. That, that the world may be telling me hope in this. The world may be telling me hope for that. But I put my hope in God. And, you, and, and then you realize this. You come to realize this. 
that where you place your hope is your choice. Where you place your hope is your choice. That's why, why David said in Psalms 42, 5, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Listen, there comes a time in life when you just got to say that I'm going to, sp- you got to speak to your soul. You got to speak to your mind. You got to speak to your will. You got to speak to your emotions. And you got to say, listen, soul, why are you so upset? Why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God and that hope becomes a rope and that rope rescues you and that hope becomes an anchor that stabilizes you and keeps you from drifting when everybody else will and that hope begins to give birth to faith and that hope will keep your heart healthy and that hope will begin to to, 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 to grow on the inside of you and it'll keep you hoping against all other hopes listen have you felt like you've lost your hope tell your soul put your hope in God. If you've been feeling hopeless, put a rubber band around your head, snap out of it, and tell yourself, put your hope in God. Has your hope been deferred? You got to say, why? Why are you so downcast? So put your hope in God. Somebody say, I, come on, say it, say, I put my hope in God. Bridge, it's time to get your hopes up. Everybody tells you all the time, don't get your hopes up, don't get your hopes up. Get your hopes up if your hope lies in Jesus, keep them up. Paul Romans is interesting because we, we read Romans 8, then we were in Romans 4. If you keep reading, you get to Romans 5, and Paul gives us this crazy cycle. It's very interesting. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand, and we rejoice... In the hope, everybody say hope, Hope. of the glory of God. So we rejoice in what? Hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice. So the second thing we rejoice for is in sufferings. Everybody say suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. I told you to write that word down. It's going to come back in a minute. And then perseverance produces character. Everybody say character. And character produces hope. Everybody say hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I was talking to my, my niece, Tabitha, who's, who's preaching her first Sunday morning sermon at her church. And they're starting their Advent series, so she's preaching on hope. I was preaching on hope. We were, we were doing the preacher thing, and we were comparing notes. And really, she was just trying to steal all mine. Um, but I ended up stealing some of hers. And, 
and so she said, have you ever heard Holly Furtick talk about the hope cycle from, from Romans chapter five? I said, no, tell me about it. And so she began to explain, and in this text, remember we started with hope. Everybody say hope. And then Paul goes on and he says, we rejoice in hope knowing that hope, and we also rejoice in suffering. I can rejoice in hope, I struggle to rejoice in suffering. Can I get a witness, anybody? And then he said, because we know that suffering produces something called perseverance. There's that word, perseverance. Now remember Romans chapter eight, he said that hope causes us to persevere. So hope produces, uh, 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 or when hope comes, we rejoice in hope and we rejoice in suffering because we realize that hope is there to sustain us through the suffering by perseverance. And then he says, perseverance then produces character. And the more character I have in my life, then he brings it full circle. He says that produces hope. So it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Everybody say a cycle. The problem is, most of us get stuck here and we never get to here and here. We get stuck in our suffering. Have you ever met anybody that's stuck? I, I, I know some preachers, you talk to them, they, you can t they'll tell you about the split of 94. When the, they're not even pastoring anymore. They're retired. And they can still tell you about the split, the church split of 94. And the effect that it had on them. Why? They got stuck in their suffering. Come on, talk to me. There, there's other people that, that when you talk to them, they have some emotional connection to the place of, that they got stuck. They don't finish the cycle. But if you keep going in the cycle, suffering will produce perseverance. And if you hold on to hope through the suffering, you begin to persevere and you begin to realize, hey, this didn't kill me. Listen, can I tell you something? The greatest news, the great, you want me to tell you the greatest thing about you? You're still here. You're still, if, if you're breathing, God's not done with you. So, so you got to understand that hope, hope uh, uh, that there will be suffering, but that you rejoice in the suffering because of the hope that you have, and it gives you perseverance, and you realize what's not killing me is making me stronger. And my character is growing, and that character grows, and I get back in hope, and then when something else happens, my hope gets bigger, and my suffering gets smaller. And if we could just keep going, and hope could keep getting bigger, and suffering could keep getting smaller, and people look at suffering and think it's big, but no, I've lived the cycle, so I know that my hope is growing, my character is growing. And if I persevered before, I can persevere, but I've come to tell somebody, you thought 2020 had buried you, you thought that 2020 had come to kill you, but baby, you're still here. You're still persevering. You're still breathing. You're still praising. You're still rejoicing. You're still standing. 
and you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And a hope is growing. Preach myself right out of my shirt. Now, now that's the big cycle, but but life's filled with little ones. Yeah, you have some little ones like like you can have a, a hope cycle with friends. Do you ever hope and then your friends let you down? You suffered. Anybody suffer because a friend abandoned you? Then you gotta persevere, it grows character, you're back in hope. That's how you have another friend again. How about finances, how about, how about finances, money? Anybody ever have a, need a hope cycle with money? You had hope that you were gonna get a raise and then you got laid off. You, you hoped you were gonna get a new job and you lost the one that you had suffering, but then you persevere, it builds character, and then in the area of finances, you get to where the enemy can't take your hope anymore. Because your hope's not in friends, your hope's not in money, your hope's in God. See, there, there's another, what, what about family? Anybody ever hope your family would turn out well? And then you suffered when they didn't? Anybody ever hoped your kids would be perfect and then they ended up on crack? Anybody ever hope your marriage would be beautiful and, and it, it didn't look so beautiful? But, but you persevere, you grow character and you come back in to hope. Here's one, here's a fun one, here's a fun one. How about 2020? 2020's been a hope cycle. Some of you may still be stuck in the suffering. But you need to realize 2020 is almost over and you persevered, baby. You are here. You're here. You're, you're still breathing, online family. You're still with us. You have more character. But here's, watch what happens. All of these feed into this. And every time you go through a smaller hope cycle, your big hope cycle gets stronger. Your character grows. Everything you've been going through has been making you stronger and leading you back to hope. I love how the Passion Translation says this in verse four and five. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. Let me say that again. Patient endurance refines our character and proven character leads us back to hope. Look at verse five. And this hope, somebody say this hope. And what hope? This hope. What is this hope? Hope in God, not human hope. Is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I've come to tell somebody today, 
Don't give up on hope. It's not a disappointing fantasy. It's a stabilizer to your destiny. 2020, we, I'm, 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 I'm gonna finish with this. We've been talking a lot about contagious things. Can you put that hope cycle back up one more time? This cycle can become contagious. You say, what do you mean? Like I said, we've been talking about contagious things. We wear masks to keep from getting these airborne diseases, this airborne disease, this pandemic. You don't want the Rona. You know, you gotta stay away from people who got the Rona. Sometimes you don't know they got the Rona until you get around them, then you get the Rona. So I said, I've never been around them because they had the Rona. I got the Rona. You say, I'm not scared of the Rona. Maybe, no, but at least it's an inconvenience. And so, you, you know, they're trying to tell us do things to stay away from people, even if you don't know. You're just not sure. You just got to, you know, you don't know. They might have it. Stay away from them. And here's what we learned. Proximity increases the ability to catch the disease. Proximity increases the likelihood of you catching it. Do you know fear works the same way? You, you, you just hanging out with your family at Thanksgiving. You didn't. You, you weren't afraid. You didn't think they were. You didn't know they had the fear Rona. You didn't know they had. They had. They, they were full of fear. You get around them. Before you know it, you leave Thanksgiving and you're afraid. You thought I wasn't afraid before I went to Thanksgiving. Now I come back from Thanksgiving. Now I don't feel good. What happened? You caught it. But if fear works that way, hope works the same way. What if we all were contagious with hope? And, and we lived out this hope cycle and people, they saw our suffering, but then they saw our perseverance, then they saw our character, and then they saw hope growing. And they begin, we began to radiate with hope. And people, people go, you know, I went to Thanksgiving and I was hopeless. I got around Tina and now then, I feel hope. What happened to me? You caught it. Because, and you know how you catch it? It comes in the air that's breathed. I want to breathe hope everywhere I want. I go, I want to breathe life. Everywhere I go, and people get around me and they go, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm trying to contact trace. I didn't have no hope. And then where, well, what happened? What happened? I got, yeah, I, I want people to just get in my airspace and I breathe. Whoa, I got it. I got hope. No, I didn't have no hope. Now I have hope. Romans 15, 13. The Passion Translation says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, my God, I love that, fill you to overflowing 
with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His super abundance, that's a Hooper word, until you radiate with hope. I don't know about you, but I want to radiate with the hope of God. Bono said it this way, our hope needs to become contagious in a world abandoned of hope. Listen, what are we doing to spread hope in our world? What are we doing to be infectious and to radiate hope in our world? Can we just stand right now and thank God that He is our hope and that the hope that has been entrusted to us can spread to the world around us. Come on, somebody worship this for Jesus. Keep hope alive from the beginning to end. about I just need about two more minutes but listen I, at home you need to get up out your lazy boy and you need to begin to shout when we yell hope I, if you can't say any of the other words I want you to yell hope as loud as you can hope in the morning hope in the evening hope in the sorrow hope in the breaking hope come on hope Every time we yell hope, every time they sing hope, I want you to yell it as loud as you can because hope is rising in this place. Come on. Because you're breathing hope in the morning, hope in the evening, hope because you're living hope because you're breathing hope in the breaking hope in the sorrow. Oh
for you at home, watching online, online family, lift your hands. I wanna pray for you as well. Father, you see every hand, you see every heart. And I speak an infusion of hope. I speak hope into their situation, hope into their hearts. God, if their hope has been placed in anything else, let them place it, let them set it back in you. We choose to put our hope in God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bridge, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it.